Hello guys, it's been a while. I missed you guys. To my six listeners, I guess. <laughs> Shit is getting real. We're probably about to teach Vladimir how Americans rip people apart. And uh, I got COVID. And that should suck. Um, that's why I haven't posted in a bit. It took time to get better. And then the CDC goons came and said, you could go back to work while you're spinning out half your lung on 20% of room air. And I was like, oh, fuck me. So I went back to work and became a course super spreader. Now I drink away my consciousness because I'm sure I unknowingly infected a good number of people. But enough about me, guys. How are you guys? I hope you guys are doing well and everything has been great. Happy 2022. I know it's a month into the year. Um, this is the second episode of the year, but before we get started, I got to tell you guys that I have to be very careful about this episode. So the way that I wanted to present it, it's not going to be the exact same way as I wanted to, because, uh, if my work feels I describe them, I might get fired. So apparently they snuck in a policy where I can't be associated with them. And that's fine. Why would I, you know, no one wants to be associated with their work. I mean... It is what it is. So yeah, as long as we don't mention each other by name, location, sex, binary, gender fluid, or pronouns, I think this can be doable. So let's get into it. News updates. Some crazy shit, guys. January 15th, terrorist, who doesn't matter what his name is or anything like that, held up a synagogue with some hostages in Coleyville, Texas. Uh, he held four of them, made demands to have another terrorist who attempted to kill U.S. servicemen be set free. Well, we Americans do not deal with terrorist scum. There's only one way we do deal with them, and we fucking trash them. The situation finally ended with the FBI HRT breaching in and killing Daesh and his uh, Wolfman's Hater Club member got Swiss cheese. After he fired two loud shots, you can hear the suppressor fire taking him out. Fuck yeah, America. Sadly, though, he leaves behind a widowed goat. On sad news, there's been a handful of shootings and attacks on police officers nationwide. In Texas, within the past week, there has they have lost, I think, one officer in southwest Houston, and they suffered three more injured officers following a police pursuit. Two other police officers, one in New York, which was a detective, and another officer in Ferguson were murdered. All these horrible events happening within the same week, which really sucks. Coming back to this piece of shit status, California, uh... It's about time we start seeing the Los Angeles County Sheriff, Alex Villanueva, step up. He decided to say fuck you with an act of no confidence in little bitch-ass District Attorney Gascon. Villanueva bypassed the DA and brought the case of an off-duty LAPD officer known as Fernando Arroyos to federal prosecutors. Villanueva stated, we definitely had a conversation with the local DAs and their response was not satisfactory to the gravity of this situation. They were consistent with the special orders from the District Attorney and I believe their plan was just to prosecute a simple murder with no gun enhancements, no gang enhancements, nothing. And that did not really cover the depravity of this crime. If you guys do not happen to know or remember the case, late Officer Arroyos and his girlfriend were house shopping near Watts when the two were robbed at gunpoint. Arroyos attempted to fight back when the suspect shot him. All those arrested for the crime are gangbangers or associates of the gangbangers. Continuing with uh, Villanueva again and the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, the recent 
stats are that were released by them are showing that there's an increase of 94% in homicides in areas under their patrol. Grand Theft Auto itself has increased by 59%. Villanueva credited the increase in these crimes to the pandemic and the judicial reforms that took place during the pandemic. In recent weeks, many of us have seen or heard the news covering some of the recent murders committed by the homeless population in downtown Los Angeles. Sandra Shells, a 70-year-old nurse, was severely beaten by a homeless man in the early hours as she waited for the bus near her workplace. She passed away a few days later as a result of the inflicted injuries. A few hours later, a young lady by the name of Brianna Kupfer, sorry if I mispronounced the name, was found in a pool of her own blood at a high-end furniture store that she worked at. The man accused of killing her was also a homeless man. He stabbed Brianna Kupfer multiple times, leaving her in the pool of her own blood. If you guys have been following me for quite some time, and I know those six people that do listen to me have, you guys should now notice how the situation is getting in LA. It's getting out of control. This is to blame on a system that wants to give the scum of society rights and resources. In that scum lies the mental health homeless population that has come to be due to to rejecting resources to stay clean and medicated and would rather go about in their ways. The blood and deaths of the recent victims also falls on the politicians, lobbyists, and all those who support giving rights to these scumbags. Why? Well, who in their right mind agrees allowing schizophrenic patients to roam the city, especially without assuring the general public that they will remain on their meds and not become non-compliant with them to the point that they suffer a breakdown or a psychosis episode that leads to the murder of innocent civilians. If you're upset by my position, I really don't care. This is ridiculous. This is beyond all logical thinking. It's time to get that surplus money to fund our mental health facilities, bring back the psych wards, and get these mental health liabilities off the street and locked up in secure facilities. To further address the topic, of this growing violence of police officers nationwide. My personal take on this is that it was upcoming and soon to be seen nationwide. This was born during that horrible spring of 2020, a rhetoric against those who protect and serve, fueled by bad apples on both sides in some cases, and in another part, fueled by idiots who live in a delusional, hypocritical mindset. The sad part is that as our country is so divided, some of these politicians have echoed such rhetoric, <clears throat> sorry, such rhetoric or supported it one way or another. All of these politicians that have supported or echoed it belong to the pathetic Fox Progressive Democratic Party. The physical definition of evil and the meaning of evil has been turned towards the direction of our men and women of the blue line. The reality is that it's not them who are the evil or lawless. It's the same people who have always been evil and lawless, the violent criminals. These politicians, judges, and district attorneys have helped paved a clear path to committing crimes, low bonds, incorrect interpretation of the law, reforms of the law to lower sentences and penalties for crimes, reclassifications of crimes. All of this has aided the criminal element and forced the safety of the and well-being of the common citizens down. I've said it before and I will state it again. At some point the law-abiding citizens of this country will be pushed into a corner where they will have no other option but to fight back. I know a lot of them that are there. I know a lot of them that are getting there. At some point we're gonna have to choose our freedom 
or our loved ones or I mean, what is it? Our lives, their lives, and safety versus some homeless bum or some scum. And for all of you that are listening, you know, KGB agents of the California Republic, ATF, whatever. For If you're trying to label me with R words or F words or B words, I will never support an organization that belittles any other race. I was called a lot of racial slurs growing up. I was threatened for the color of my skin for being on the wrong block of the same banged up, old ass, piece of shit infrastructure neighborhood. So to me, when I hear only one skin color matters, you automatically lose my interest. And you gain my trolling attention because I want to troll the shit out of you because that's pathetic. To me, my friends, loved ones, and some colleagues, their lives matter. They're not all one skin color. They're not all from the same faith, same ethnic group, same sexual orientation, same profession. So why would I ever support you? I don't support the loss of private small businesses either. I don't support the illicit means to gain wealth by pillaging the progress and triumphs of said small businesses. To some of us, it's not about being cool and being accepted by your warped, fucked up ideals and beliefs. I'm being about I'm about being about my own morals beliefs, standards, and rhetoric. Quite frankly, I don't care if you don't like me for not agreeing with you. That's your personal problem for being intolerant. I can carry a conversation with you peacefully. I don't need to raise my voice, nor do I feel like I would need to. I'm a grown-ass man, not a fucking child. So there's that. Enough political talk. Let's get into Antifa medicine. Uh, We're going to go ahead and fight it because these terrorists do not know how to put tourniquets on people. They put it on their neck. For some fucking reason, because they're all a bunch of fucked up emotional wrecks, I guess. Um, So there's many angles to approach this topic from. The first thing that for sure needs to be said, and something that I notice a lot, is that people need to realize that I'm not giving you medical advice. Uh, I am simply giving you folks a starting point and and, um, things to have, things that you need to consider. I will be going over certain things that I have such as IFAC pouches, medical pouches, and items that are within said pouches. I'll also go certain medical intervention scenarios, things that I've been involved in, and so on. If you have a pen and paper or a note-taking app ready to go, let's get started. So this is something that I've really seen a lot and I notice a lot, and it sort of pisses me off, and it makes me feel like people are just doing it for the fucking look. Um, We've all seen endless amounts of pictures of all these tactical guys rocking an IFAC, or medical pouch, or a dangler with one tourniquet. Some of us have seen a police officer rocking their service vest with one or two tourniquets. Well, the first thing about this, why only two tourniquets? At most, right? Or maybe why one? I mean, let's look at the human body. It has four fucking limbs in which a tourniquet can be applied to. So why is it tactically acceptable to only carry one tourniquet on your gear at any given point? One reason I can give you guys, you know, I'm sorry, but one main reason why this has become the norm is due to the exposure of the tier one culture, right? And I'm throwing air quotes around tier one culture. Uh, By this, I mean that we have been exposed to so many pictures and they're really outdated because to get modern, current loadout pictures of Navy SEALs, like actual green team, like DevGrew, it's kind of hard. You know, they're really wrapped around secrecy. Um, But a lot of guys tend to rock them nowadays. Uh, 
You know, uh, what people tend to forget is that these individuals are involved in ba- in team-based operations. They're not me. They're not you. Who is just you and maybe your son or you and your wife? No, it's it's them operating with the whole backing of a team, like six to twelve men. You know, the lowest I've seen or I've heard of is two to is two man teams. You know, but the point is, it's a team-based operation. Um, even if they're two teams, they have another team that can come and aid them. So they're always in a pack, even though they might be separated. Um, what? Um, and it's not just them operating on their own. It's the same thing for law enforcement. You know, uh, backup for them is not that far away when calling out shots fire, officer down, or in need of assistance. The sad part, and what a lot of people don't realize, is that as a civilian, most of us are not around a team of CCW holders 24-7. And in the event of us becoming involved or finding ourselves among an active shooter scenario, our backup will be a great amount of minutes away. And also, you have to realize that the cops will be gunning for you, too, because they're not sure if you're a threat or not. I mean, if you start seeing police officers throw your gun in the ground, raise your hands up, let them know you're a CCW holder, you're still going to be pinned to the ground even though you're wounded. AMR won't be coming into that, and I'll describe why that won't be happening quickly. Um, it's something that I've been really anally against since I began getting into emergency medicine and I began studying um, active shooters and all the cases that evolved and the victims. Um but yeah, your backup will be a great amount of time. And before you say, Nuh-uh, bro, be saved by medics and my fellow 2A brothers. Uh, this is not true. In volume one, I discussed the effects of not being trained and not developing the correct mindset and mentality. If none of you have ever seen raw flesh, mass amount of blood, and people screaming in agonizing pain, the shock of it all might disable you all completely. It is almost like seeing cows being slaughtered in an old-fashioned slaughterhouse. I don't know if you guys have ever been to one. I know PETA... Turn those down, got them shut down, and there's a lot more modern days where they just crack the, they easily take out the cow, you know, they hit it in the head or something like that, and it dies, it's humanely killed. Um, but in Mexico, where PETA doesn't really have much of a fucking say, because you'll get shot up if you try to do your little pacifist bullshit, um, it's really gory, you know, to see the cow get fucking sliced into, cut open, and you have blood and guts everywhere. Uh, if you're not used to seeing that if you never trained yourself to handle that or the sight of blood makes you queasy don't even carry a fucking gun like why are you even carrying you know if you you can't get over the fact that blood makes you queasy if if you can't play with blood and be like okay you know it's just blood it's a body fluid i gotta put gloves on and nothing will happen to me and make sure it doesn't go into my eye and shit or any of my area where i can contract a disease from it um you shouldn't be owning a gun. You shouldn't even be like, what the fuck are you going to do if you're if you're going to be taking all these medical classes or you're going to be carrying a fucking IFAC in an ignorant manner where you're not medically trained? Do you really think you're going to overcome your queasiness when you have to wrap a tourniquet onto someone? A tourniquet just doesn't go on right away and you twist it and it's done deal. You know, you have to deal with the fact that this person might be fighting you if they're injured. You know, especially because you're addressing it to the limb or the extremity where the injury occurred. There's a lot of people that act tough, but trust me, bud, once you touch them, they become very hysterical. 
And that's a lot of things you got to take into your mind. And I'm sorry for being such a dick, but like I told you guys, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not here to get paid out by companies to say, no, you got to make everybody feel welcome. I don't want to make you feel welcome. I want to make you feel uncomfortable so you can get comfortable in the setting you're going to be approaching. You get what I'm saying? I hope you guys understand that. Um, and if anybody's listening to the podcast and you're one of the potential sponsors, hey, I'm sorry, guys. This is what it is. This is how I direct it. I'm very direct. I'm very like straight up blunt. Don't mean to be a dick. It's just the cold truth about it, you know. Um, but, yeah, how do you think that's going to play out in your favor if none of you guys are trained for it? The answer to it all, it comes down with being taught by official instructors. You know, you have to train in official uh, courses. So there's some, there's two like TCCC, TECC. Those are certifications you can get. Um, Well, I can just take a regular CPR first aid course. You can, but it won't really help you. The reason being is because most of these courses do not teach their students how to handle medical care under fire. Uh, most of them won't even teach you how to apply a tourniquet properly. Uh, the importance of being medically knowledgeable is beyond beneficial in comparison to someone who is completely ignorant, i.e. you. Um, for example, there's been more events that I can count in all my fingers, and this is true, um, in all my fingers and toes, where a family member faints or goes down and becomes unconscious. The first thing any family member does when there's no response from a shake of the body they immediately start CPR. What a fucking idiot. Grandma or your loved one will thank you when they're not having to deal with a broken sternum and other complications from performing uh, unnecessary CPR. This also relates to being medically ignorant and following suit with just carrying only one tourniquet. In reality, you should always have at least two on your person and another two or four in your medical kit itself. It is not hard to carry two tourniquets on you. They can be attached to your belt line and even pocketed. I personally carry one in my pocket and another attached to my belt with the pouch going inside of my pants on my hip line. Remember, the body has four limbs and victims, including your loved ones, can suffer multiple injuries. So covering that, let's, let's talk about the first main thing that you want to cover, which is your pouch, right? A medical pouch. Uh, there are many brands out there, and quite frankly, it relies on what you can afford. Um, I personally have about six different pouches and dedicated medical IFAC pouches. Ones that I can recommend in terms of brands are Blue Force Gear, Eagle Industries, London Bridge Trading, which is also known as LBT, Spiritus Systems, and Feral Concepts. These are alternatives to certain other traditional pouches. Uh, some people carry a big bag, but for example, Blue Force Gear, they have a micro IFAC that's mostly meant to be on your belt line, especially on your battle belt. Um, Eagle Industries, they have some very nice general purpose pouches. They have some very nice uh, medical pouches, IFAC pouches that you can actually rock on to your cummerbund of your vest. And I actually do that. Um, London Bridge Trading, the same thing. I used to have them on my uh, 6094 and I liked them a lot i kept it till i eventually ripped the nylon strap and then it just went into the trash uh, but it took a long time for that to happen um, spiritus systems and feral concepts for them i carry their fanny packs uh, or their danglers is what they call them you know i think spiritus is called the lunchbox or something like that and feral concepts is called the dangler and the mini dangler um, for me i use a dangler 
for one of my uh, kits. Where And I think if you look at the main picture of the podcast, you can see the dangler right there. It's all the way at the bottom. That one's packed with uh, just gunshot wound stuff that I can easily just access from the front, take out, throw out. Um, I also have Haley Strategic. I forgot to mention them earlier. But Haley Strategic also offers a small pouch, a small dangling pouch that you can use as a medical pouch. And I have that for my uh, DC RM3 or for my DC3 RM. Uh, for my micro chest rig, that's what I carry. I carry a lot of stuff that's, once again, gunshot, uh, wound treatment. That's what it's dedicated for. Um, but I have to be realistic with you guys. I know inflation's gone up. I know things are getting more expensive. Uh, you can use a general purpose pouch. Those are really cheap, especially from Eagle Industries. If you're not looking for Gucci camel patterns, if you're just looking for a regular solid con camel pattern or even multi-cam you can find those and the way you can get away with using those as a medical pouch is you buy you go to a dollar 25 tree you get medium-sized bags and you put your contents inside those ziplock bags and organize them by what they are and then you stack you put them inside that large general purpose pouch and you guys are good to go you guys don't have to worry about anything else right um same thing can be said i also have a large Jansport fanny pack that i use when i go hiking I carry mags in there, and I carry uh, medical items in there. I carry boo-boos, which are just band-aids, but for some sadistic reason, I tend to have, like, Hello Kitty, Barbie, uh, Disney Princesses, because if you ask me for a goddamn band-aid for a small cut, that's what you're going to get, because you're being a little girl about it, you know, or you're being a little bitch. Um, and I also have one in the car as well. That's also for... To deploy it and i carry a small backpack that is all organized in the event i have to deal with a medical emergency that might need more than just pressure gauzes or band-aids or a tourniquet um, there's a lot of solutions if money is an issue for you folks out there and to be honest you guys should invest the money into quality content and training rather than buying a 60 dollars pouch for it to sit collecting dust or becoming a reason for a thief to break into your car and steal it um, Jan uh, jansport Fanny packs, you can find them on eBay for like seven bucks. Uh, you want to rock a backpack, Jansport backpack, $20. Buy it at the Swami, even if it's bootleg. You're using it just to carry medical items in there. Um, and now, let's jump into the contents of your medical kit. And I think that goes without saying, and probably the smartest thing you can do is having quality tourniquets. The only ones that I recommend are the Combat Advanced Tourniquets, also known as CATS, and they're made by North American Rescue, or A&R. And seriously, buy them from the official retailers or order them directly from North American Rescue. There's a lot of them that are replicas, and they swear up and down that they work. The truth is that unless you're using them for airsoft, when you tie in these fucking pieces of shit, they break easily. I don't like rats. Use them many times in drills and in, and in educational courses. And they fucking suck once they get soaked in blood. I know they came out with a newer version, but just because you came out with a newer version doesn't mean you're still gonna, you're still not gonna suck. So I just don't buy them. Um, some buddies have rock soft tees. Those are another type of tourniquets. I've heard they're also pretty bad. Never used them myself, but it goes without saying. If it quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, looks like a duck, it's probably a duck or a geese. But the point is, it looks like the same thing, right? So it's probably shit. Um, you know. So yeah, soft tees are like, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's shit. That kind of deal. Um, 
I know there's newer ones out there called Mets. Uh, I've never seen them. I have not used them. I've seen pictures of them, and those that uh, and those that have used them on YouTube, they say they're really good. I personally have not used them. I cannot speak to them. The only reason that I can speak to it is if um, someone directly comes up and tells me, and it's like one of the guys that I train with or so on. Um, if they tell me, dude, this is a shit, here's a one for you, use it, cool, thanks, man. And then I can practice with it, you know. Um, if you need to practice with tourniquets, you can always find a local, a local butcher shop or a slaughterhouse and ask them if you can have blood. Most of them will sell it to you. Uh, they use pig blood for some exercises because they're not going to be wasting human blood because we're already in a fucking shortage with that. Um, but yeah, you can use uh, animal blood for it. Just make sure you get like pig blood or cow blood. You know, uh, so going off to that, you should also purchase packing gauzes to plug holes, chest seals, um, the vented ones, and over-the-counter medication like primarily ibuprofen, acetaminophen, neosporin, and of course your boo-boos, which are your band-aids. Remember, Barbie, Hello Kitty, Disney princesses. That's all you need. Um, those are the ones that you should get in terms of band-aids. Uh, wrapping bandages, quick clots. Or a reputable hemostatic device and some medical shears. And for you guys that are like, yeah, I'm going to give you some Leathermans. You don't need fucking Leathermans, all right? A nice $10 pair from Amazon will do the job, okay? And before you guys continue any further, if you guys are still asking yourself, do I really need to spend money on medical courses? Can I just learn from YouTube? I would suggest you do purchase the medical courses you do get into them because YouTube University might teach you how to administer a tourniquet or use a chest seal and apparently it's not effective because Antifa over here is wrapping it on people's necks um, if you apply such learned knowledge on a person who has a Karen or Kyle family members you might be facing a lawsuit and although people believe that Good Samaritan laws protect you from everything the truth is it only covers so much and at the same time, it only covers so little. There are many technicalities that le that can lead to you being successfully sued. If you have medical certs behind you, you can argue more and be able to better destroy the plaintiff, family members' accusations that you had no idea that of what you were doing. As we say in the medical field, CYA, cover your ass. It's bad enough that we might lose everything when defending ourselves or family members. Why lose it in a goddamn court case for malpracticing? <laughs> right? And then for those that are medically trained and certified or might be medical professionals like myself, I wouldn't recommend you carrying anything besides what you're currently trained on. I know that some of you are under the assumption that Good Samaritan Laws will cover you. The truth is they won't cover you at all if you're a medical professional. And it is something that you should know because it is covered under the scope of of practice of your work duties or role. For example, I witnessed a traffic collision on a canyon road. It was a motorcyclist versus a speedy van. The cyclist was sideswiped and ended up eating it on the road for a, I don't know, maybe like a good 20 feet. Came to a stop, popped the trunk, deployed the small hazard stands that I carry, and in order, this was in order to help traffic slow down if they were to approach us. Uh, grabbed my large backpack and got ready to get vitals to give to the dispatch or EMS. Um, by the time I approached the down driver, I was already on the phone with 911, gave them my name and medical profession, quick rundown of the situation that unfolded, my approximate location, 
and I was able to see that the downrider was breathing and responding to pain. I took mental notes on his injuries as I began to get a palpated pulse, asked him where he felt the most pain, if he felt short of breath, then began asking him information such as name, time, place, and current date. He had some road rash that was visible, so I grabbed some non-adhesive pads and some Curlex and Neosporin. I began bandaging the minor road rash on one of his arms. By the time I was about to be done with one, um, both Highway Patrol and EMS arrived. They approached. I gave my report to the medic and the EMT. They took over. I gave a statement to the officers. Although I wasn't able to catch the van's license plate, but I was able to give them the make, model, color of the van. I didn't do anything more than just very minimal basic things to help the injured individual. In most cases, it won't ever be as dramatic as people want to make it seem. But in the event you do get caught up in a situation where you have to tend to injure people under fire, you might want to have those courses under your belt. Uh, these courses are primarily taught by individuals that are TCCC or TECC certified. Um, if you guys are still asking, what the fuck does that mean? Uh, it stands for, well, the first one, TCCC, C, stands for Tactical Combat Casualty Care. And TECC stands for Tactical Emergency Casualty Care. For the most of us in the civilian EMS role, we'll be taught under TECC, which in its own has its own policies and guidelines to serve for high threat operations. Um, do not believe that because a terrorist attack happens in our country that those responding are going to be all TCCCC trained units. They will more than likely be TECC trained units because the attack did not take place in a war zone or in an area where there is an active military role. Even in pre-hospital trauma life support or PHTLS for short, these courses differ based on their application. But the main reason why I will recommend for you guys to seek TCCCC courses and military PHTLS courses is due to their hot zone classification. The hot zone. This area can be referred to as care under fire or red zone. Under TCCC guidelines and care under fire, it emphasizes on threat suppression, the prevention of further casualties, extracting casualties from high threat areas, and implementing control of life threatening extremity hemorrhage this is where march comes in you know um and tecc the same is dedicated in which uh mostly to extraction only and self-care um these policies can also change on interagency communications in which all of them might have different policies which is why i personally believe that this limits a lot of things not to mention that as ccw holders we need to learn to care under fire and suppress the threat in order to prevent further casualties and take care of our own loved ones um, some of you might judge me for going against TECC and the culture of TEMS, which stands for Tactical Emergency Medical Services. But honestly, it is such a hindering process when something happens. There's been many events where TEMS didn't get into the hot zone until a law enforcement special team went in. These medics and EMTs are not armed. They have a, they might have a ballistic shield, but they heavily rely on those special teams to do clearings of the building and. They slowly continue within the hot zone. Well, fun fact, a few buddies and I wanted to push to establish a rescue task force, one that would be composed of medical professionals that were certified to be armed and respond into the hot zone to increase the survivability of wounded victims in the event of a mass shooting. 
Of course, our plight ended due to the political issues and the fact that no one wanted to push the, the issue further. Because in the eyes of the general public, you cannot have a full kit armed medical prof personnel unless you're one of the five SWAT medics in the whole fucking county. Go figure. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys listening would love to have someone that's going to come in and be ballsy and come and rescue your kids in the event of a shooting. Not only that, another reason why we wanted to push it so much and we wanted to get it established is because in the county that we live in, we have so many schools, both colleges and regular K-12. through We could have easily been a force that would have benefited interagency law enforcement agencies, you know, within the interagency, we could have worked better, you know, and we wouldn't be pussies laying back waiting for the fire chief to say, all right, guys, go in. Nah, I would have been like, all right, you know what? This is it. Tell, I don't know, helicopter, tell the whatever agency helicopter come in, swoop us up. We're going to come in. We're going to hit it hard. You know, we're going to come in with the SWAT team at the same time. We're going to start clearing, extract and clear, extract, clear and extract rather than like, all right, guys. Um, well, the SWAT team hasn't gone in, and I'm pretty sure I can hear people scream, help me, but they're dying, so it doesn't fucking matter, bro. But we gotta wait for the chief to give us a go-ahead. Um. Anyways, I, I could get into this topic further in another day. So, takeaways. Supported by military veterans, especially those in special forces units, learn to be medically competent while still being able to put shots downrange. It will help you out in an active shooter in a shooting, or it will make your character look better in the eyes of the public, especially when you're standing in court. Being merciful, empathetic, rendering medical aid will help you out in courts in California. For those that are medical professionals and are unaware of this cold truth, if you shoot someone in your home, you will have to render aid. Alright. I told you guys it wasn't going to be long just because I can't talk about a lot of shit that i gone through because it's all work-related. And I don't want to lose my job. Otherwise, I I don't know. I won't have money for make podcasts. Me no money. Podcasts. Anyways, um, join me in the next episode. I am currently working on some things. A possible YouTube channel in the works uh, where I can review things, speak about topics and other cool stuff. I might have a few sponsors. I have reached out to some companies and I might do a collaboration with another popular podcast if they're willing. Uh... Till then, see y'all next time. Stay ready and courageous in the face of the unknown. This is your host, Alex, signing off. Good night.